Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, a podcast where we take a nostalgic look at movies from different generational perspectives. And I'm Peter, an 80s baby. And joining me is, returning guest, I should say, is Alicia from Real Red Reviews. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Peter. So I'm Alicia, like he said, and I am a 90s baby. Yeah, thank you again for joining me. Uh, you're definitely back by popular demand. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, Uh you're joining me today to uh, review the 1996 musical drama, uh, Mr. Holland's Opus. Uh, this is directed by returning director uh, Stephen Herrick. Do you do you know that guy's name at all? Like uh, maybe some movies he's directed? I This is the first I've heard of it. Um, so I, Yeah, I don't know what else he's directed. Okay. Uh, the, the other movie that we have reviewed on this show that he's also directed was uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, I do know that movie. That is a fantastic yeah. film. <laughs> it is indeed. And it's kind of a night and day between that one and this yeah. one. Right? Yeah. Uh, he's also done uh, Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead. I have not heard of that. <laughs> you haven't? Oh, okay. Interesting. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a fun movie. Uh, are you familiar with um, Married with Children? No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, never mind then. No, th- that was a TV show. Um, which uh, the daughter on that show, she was the lead in this movie. Uh, so it's uh. it's a really kooky early 90s movie about these uh, kids who um, I think like their parents went away or something and they had like this really old lady uh, babysit them. And then while she's watching them, she passes away. Oh, my. And, and Yeah. And then I think they buried her, but she had like all the money that was supposed to be news on them while the parents were away. It's, it, uh, yeah, I don't want to get into it, but it's actually a very interesting watch, and I wonder it still holds up. Perhaps something in our future. <laughs> um, but he has also done uh, A Fair to Mine, which I will eventually review on this show, but uh, The Mighty Ducks. You don't know that one? No. Oh, I'm oh, okay. sorry. Uh, that, <laughs> that's okay. I, I thought you might know that one. Uh, that has, that stars Emilio Estevez. You know oh, that actor? No, I haven't heard of him. Char- Charlie Sheen's brother? I know who Charlie Sheen is. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I, I think everyone does at this point, uh, to be honest. <laughs> oh yeah, true. But uh, yeah, the uh, yeah, they're they did a lot of movies together um, back in the day too. See, so that's why I kind of like uh, having you on here. I mean, I know this is your second appearance, but it shows that generational gap where where I thought that you might know the Mighty Ducks. I felt like that was a '90s staple, you know, like for for like family movies. You know, I feel like it was a Disney movie. Uh, it, it spawned like two sequels. And um, so that's interesting that you haven't seen that one. Um, and it looks like he also directed the uh, live version of 101 Dalmatians. Oh, that that one. So, Everybody knows that one. Do they? I mean, I, oh, to you be don't honest, know I've it? never oh. seen it. Well, I, I know it. I know Glenn Close uh, plays like Cru- uh, Cruella DeVille, but I've never like watched it in its entirety. Because, let's see, that came out. See, the funny thing is I was only 13, but at that point I was just like, pfft kids movie (laughs) but i was watching things like more childish at that time i'm sure um but yeah so that's very interesting that um emilio estevez you're not uh have you ever heard of young guns Um, oh it's a western no i doesn't ring a bell (laughs) oh wow i I think that might be i'm not doing well today um 
<laughs> I I do sometimes. I'm very particular yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, I wonder wonder if you'd like that. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have to see. Um, you know, maybe we can dive into some of his uh some, some older work here. But um, yeah, the movie uh it stars Richard Dreyfus uh as the titular character in Mr. Holland, uh, Glenn Holland, I think it is, uh, Glenn Headley, who's his wife, Iris. Uh, I think people will kind of remember her from Dick Tracy. And I swear I felt like that was a reference we made in the Hook episode, too, <laughs> where I referenced Dick Tracy. Yeah, the, the, uh, the son, Jack. Jack was in Dick Tracy. And look at this, Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? <laughs> so um, so Iris, the wife in this movie, was also in Dick Tracy. Uh let me see who else do we have in here. Uh, William H Macy, who has been on the show before when we reviewed The Last Dragon, he's in here playing Vice Principal uh, Walters. Um, Olympia Dukakis plays Mrs Jacobs, the principal. Uh, who are some other notables you think that we should probably mention? Um, well, there's um, I think I only remember her name because it's Alicia and my name's Alicia, but Alicia Witt plays um, Gertrude Lang. Um. She she's young version. yeah the young yeah. version of Gertrude Lang who's a clarinetist who has been playing for three years and sounds like she's been playing for three years. <laughs> you get my drift. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah yeah. Uh, I guess we got a cameo from uh, Terrence Howard, a very young Terrence Howard, you know, who's um, known for you know his his uh, War Machine role on the first Iron Man and obviously the uh, Fox hit Empire. And uh, Rowena Morgan was played by Jean Louisa Kelly. Uh, I think she'll have a bigger role in the, the the latter part of our review. And also, there's one more: the um, the gym teacher. Uh, I think it's played by Jay Thomas. He plays a uh, Mister Meister. Um, I'm I'm blanking on his first name because I feel like um, uh, Mister Holland does call him by his first name. But we'll go with we'll go with Mister Meister, the <laughs> PE teacher. That's such a funny name. Meister? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does that kind of mean something, maybe? Or it just sounds funny? Well, I, you know, um, like, it, it, yeah, it just sounds funny. Like, it sounds like half of a German word or something. <laughs> okay, okay, I can see. I, I, I was thinking maybe, like, Meist might, might might have been, like, I don't know, like a, some kind of prefix to another word or something. It may be. I, I'm not sure, though. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, um. Before we get into it, like we have uh, recently uh, in some of our episodes, I want to take a trip back to uh, when this movie first came out. So we were kind of debating, you know, which date to go by because there was a limited release. Uh, and then I think about three and a half weeks later, it was a wide release. So we're going to go with the wide release, which was uh, in 1996 in January. Uh, some of the big hits around that time. And uh, this will be interesting to see if you have heard or even seen some of these movies. Okay. So 12 Monkeys with Bruce Willis. <laughs> I've never even heard of it. <laughs> okay. Grumpier Old Men, which is a sequel to Grumpy Old Men. Oh, God. They made a movie called Grumpy Old Men and they made a sequel to yeah. it called Grumpier <laughs> yes. Old Men. They did. Indeed. Oh, yeah. my. Okay. Uh, Walter Matthau and Jack, uh, Jack Lemon, I, I believe it was. Um, Jumanji. Oh, I've seen Jumanji, of course. All right. Toy Story? Yeah, obviously. Well, at that point, that had already been out for seven weeks. So maybe we shouldn't even really count that one. Uh, Waiting to Exhale? Oh, does the ring a bell? Father of the Bride Part 2? 
Steve Martin movie? Nope. Although I like Steve Martin. Yep, he's good. <laughs> um, how about Heat with uh, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer? No. Nope. Do you know those names? Yes, of course. I know the names. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about, let me see, a couple other real quick. Casino. Well, no, Casino had already been out for seven weeks as well. So let's scratch that one. Um, Goldeneye. Nope, that's been out for two months. <laughs> Jeez, I'm, I'm striking here. All right. How about how about Tom and Huck? Tom and Huck? Is that um, a... Yeah. Well, I read Tom it's Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. I didn't see any of the movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a Disney movie starring uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who was from Home Improvement. So you must have been... Uh, a, Wait, was it still around when you came, when you were born? <laughs> to be honest, because I, I know it was early '90s. Um, but you know Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Does oh, that name ring a bell? No, it doesn't. <laughs> he was the voice of Simba. Oh my gosh! Really? Oh yeah, he, like young so Simba you're, you're, or teenage young Simba. Simba? Okay, yeah, young Simba because the actor who uh, sings as uh, the young Simba is Jason Weaver who was um, uh, the older brother in The the Smart Guy, which was a, a TV show. Um, but uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas was uh, the middle child in the show Home Improvement. Tim Allen voiced um, Buzz Lightyear, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, I mentioned this in our, I think it was our Lion King review, but uh, there was an episode, a, a Halloween episode of Home Improvement, where Jonathan Taylor Thomas, his character opens up the door and there's two kids standing there. One's dressed as Simba, the other one's <laughs> dressed as Buzz Lightyear. And then he gives Simba more candy. It was like, cute costume. That's fantastic. You know? I, I love it when yeah. they do stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'll have to find the clip and, and uh, link that to you later. It's it, I thought it was pretty funny because I knew exactly what was going on. You know, I, I think for like younger kids, you know, it probably would have flown over their head. <laughs> Okay, so that that's it for the for the movies part. Let's see if you know any of these songs. So funny enough, I I pulled up the the wide release date, and there's one song that was topping charts for three months. Oh man! Uh, in nineteen, yeah, from late ninety five to ninety six. So can you possibly guess what the number one song was during this three month span? The um these mm. the I'll, I'll give you some clues here. Is it uh well it's it's a kind of a duet and the lead singer um the main singer uh, is a female and she is uh, kind of considered to be like a diva was it um four minutes not four minutes no, no that's a good uh... guess that that one is uh i think i think that's like <laughs> early 2000s okay if, yeah if that's what i later. thought yeah um, yeah the only the other thing i can think of for this is like um uh oh don't go breaking my heart but i feel like that was earlier uh, no that's not it either it's uh it's yeah, Ma- mariah carey's one sweet day oh i've never heard that song before really yeah um see and <laughs> I, and again like that song came out when i was like in middle school and uh it was number one for three months uh you know it features boys to men and i think around when it came out that um like i, I remember hearing that it, it took them like less than 20 minutes to write that song and it became like number one. It, it's a it's a really good song. Oh, you gosh. should yeah, you should check that out. <laughs> um, but I I'm sure it broke all kinds of records for being number one for that long. But uh, leading up to it was um, uh, Whitney Houston's uh, uh, "Exhale" song from the soundtrack "Waiting to Exhale." So that's a reason why I think I think I listed that that title. I brought that up because that song was on there too. 
So a couple songs there. So very interesting that uh, you haven't heard of that particular Mariah Carey <laughs> song because it because it features boys to men. So I feel like I, I'm I, I don't know. I'm sure it still plays on the radio kind of. But it's uh, in my opinion, I don't think it's like a forgotten song of hers at all. Okay, so now for what everyone is waiting for, Mr. Holland's opus. Uh, I want to give a little backstory as to like how this even came about. Um, I, I guess it's kind of safe to say that you and I, lack of a better way of phrasing it, is that we hit it off uh, after reviewing Hook. Like, uh, I, I think absolutely, yeah, I think it's safe to say that we had a good time, and um, you know, we 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 follow each other on like all the social medias, like personal Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff, and. Oh, uh, yes. You know, and and matter of fact, on your uh, Skype, your default picture is you of you playing the violin. So that was the big <laughs> clue there. And uh, I've I've always uh, enjoyed Mr. Holland's Opus. I never really had plans in reviewing it, but you having played band, I thought, hey, you know, I, I was pretty sure that you hadn't seen this movie, so I had you check out the trailer. What what were your um, thoughts of the trailer when you watched it? Um, to be honest, it was. It was a few weeks ago, so I don't remember my exact thoughts, but I'm pretty sure it was something along the lines of, oh, yay, an orchestra director. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, I secretly love that story where the um, the orchestra can't get it together. and They have to, like, or, you know, they have this new person come in and and he works with them to make them better so that's what it came off as being to me. Like, it turned out that wasn't exactly what it was, but... Like, I still liked it. Um, but either way, like, I'm always up for a good music movie, so. Yeah. So so it looked like it was up your alley when you saw the trailer. You're like, <laughs> I can get down yeah. with this. Okay. Yeah. Um, how, how long did you play violin or, or were in band slash orchestra? How long did you do that for? Um, I'm actually still in it. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I play with um with. I should have had you orchestra. scored this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, I, I play in the um, orchestra at my school, um, my college that I go to. And then I started playing violin when I was nine. So it's been 10 years. Oh, wow. That's a long time. Um, <laughs> I, I, I played trumpet for three years and uh, I was probably like third seat for most of it. You know, I was never that good. And and um, that's because, you know, I enjoyed being in band, I enjoyed the music that we played. One of my favorite pieces was playing the Jurassic Park theme. You know, that's just a, oh, yes, just just a yes. beautiful song. But um, and I think, and I, I think that was my first year too. What was during that? And uh, I I think I just loved that song or playing that so much that that's why I continued playing. Uh huh. And you know, there were a lot of songs that I you know enjoyed uh, afterwards. I couldn't name one. You know, but I, you know, enjoyed the uh, the performances and things like that. But I never, uh, and I, I don't know if that says, it probably does say a lot about me, to be honest. But I never took it upon myself to get better outside of classes. You know, I uh, never, okay. I never cared to be like first or second chair. You know, so, um, so that was, I, I was fine. You know, being mediocre and not having uh, solos. So that that just showed that like, my heart wasn't in it. But it, ironically, I love music. I I really do. <laughs> Um, now also watching this, I kind of forgot what kind of character Mr. Holland is. Uh, so let's give a little, um, little synopsis, I guess, about this. Uh, this movie, Mr. Holland's Opus, it chronicles, um, uh, the latter part of this 
this man's life where I guess he was also like a composer. Um, you know, he wrote music and things like that. But around the age of 30, he gets the opportunity to teach a class. And he thinks in doing so would free up time and, you know, uh, give him more time with his wife, Iris, or, or something like that, right? And but yeah, and he also wanted to work more on composing. I think yes, that's right. That, that that's that's why yeah, the, the free time. So, but in but taking this uh, position, it's anything but. You know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the principal is like, you know, after school, you're like the first one to run out to your car. You know, you're faster out of the school than the students are. You know, uh -huh. so and yeah, so it's um. You know, it, it's it's expected more out of him, and he was not prepared for this. You know, the principal is is saying, you know, you got you got students that need your guidance. You know, you're you're like a compass. You know, you're guiding them the way, but you also need to help them and make them better and stuff like that. So this movie it spans over the course of like four decades, right? The '60s yeah, through the '90s, like '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s. Yeah. So through four decades, but thirty years of his life. Um, now, in your past experience, oh, see, I, I guess I never really got to my point, but I, I didn't remember him being kind of kind of abrasive at first, right? Like the way he was acting, and I, I do like like the the one thing with him is like, look, my name is Mister Holland. I will extend you the courtesy, you know, by calling you Mister or Missus, whatever is appropriate, you know, as long as you do the same. Which I, I thought that was really cool, you know, doing that respect, and and I feel like some teachers actually do do that. But after watching this and then having watching Whiplash, I think I think I watched Whiplash for the first time about a month and a half, maybe two months ago. Fantastic and I, movie. And fantastic. I loved it. I, I thought it was really, really good. Um, and now it made me think back to I think I've had I had three music teachers, band teachers. Now, they were all kind of like this in one way or another. They They were not the nicest of guys. They always had that little bit of attitude with them, always pushing us and things like that. What were some of your past like band teachers and uh, uh, composers like in okay, your so, tenure span? All right. I mean, I've had both private teachers and also like orchestra directors. Do you want to know about both or just the orchestra directors? Um, yeah, both is fine. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, well um, you, the... you know, maybe maybe not the the the, the private. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the like school stuff. Okay, so um, I remember um, I had this one really fantastic orchestra teacher for about six, not not six, I guess it was five years. Um, she taught the orchestra for both the middle school and the high school. Mm -hmm. And so um, I did, like I was in her orchestras um, from seventh grade until 11th grade. And um, she... She was a very sweet lady, but she would get very frustrated because a lot of these kids are in orchestra to fill up an elective, so they wouldn't right. practice. And, right. you know, like it, it's like a lot of directors say, like, I can't learn the music for you. And so I think a lot of people, like, they do understand why their director gets mad, but kids don't. They're just like, oh, why, why, is, why is this person freaking out? Um, so she... She would say, like, you know, you have to practice. And occasionally she would, like, just, like, have a little meltdown and, like, she would just leave the room. And we would all just be sitting there in silence until, like, somebody said, like, okay, guys, maybe if we start, like, trying to play this without her, she'll come back and, like, like realize we're sorry or something. Something like that. Um, 
So, like, she would be a bit dramatic sometimes, but, like, she, like, she was a nice person, and at the end of the day, like, like, we all missed her when she left. Uh, she left my senior year of high school, and the other director I've been with, like, significantly has been in college, and I've been playing in this orchestra for about a year and a half. He, he always says the same things. He likes to always tell us to play something as a pickup to the next beat. Um, I don't know if that means anything to anybody, but it's just know that it was very, it was very like repetitive, like extremely repetitive. Like he always says the same things and he, he doesn't get that mad that often, but he did occasionally like start saying like, oh, if you're not going to learn the part, you know, like you can't be here and stuff like that. Um, especially with, um, wind section the wind section and the horn and brass sections mm-hmm. because there are less people on a part. Like there's often like just one person per part. So if somebody messes up, he'll just, he'll just call them out. He'll say like, ow or something if it's out of tune and you know, everybody can hear him. Like even though we're all playing, everybody hears him and everybody knows what he's referring to. So like they've all been like kind of the same in that regard, like somewhat like, nice people but when they're when they're in their director seat like you know they're they're just focused on like getting the best sound that they possibly can right yeah that's been my experience there's always a level of respect with with uh, the directors slash composers band teachers what have you Mm -hmm. but i never even thought about that like you're, you're right you know in middle school it's either band or choir, right? You got to choose some kind of music elective. So a lot of the students, yeah, they, they don't care. They're just in it to take the class. Uh-huh. And that's kind of why I was in it. But I think that theme to Jurassic Park was just so beautiful. I continued on. Uh, my my second uh, band teacher was probably um, the worst of the three that I had. And, and, you know, he's not like whiplash bad. He's not even, you know... Um, I guess maybe he'd be very close to uh, Mr. Holland and, you know, he would call us out. He would get really frustrated. He would stop. And then, you know, he would uh, sink his head into his hand and just, you know, take take a moment. Sometimes he, he left the room. But this all makes sense. You know, we were all kids that just couldn't get it right and not trying hard enough. And, you know, I. I can see why they are the way they are you know, <laughs> in hindsight. Like, you know, so now I, I guess I have a, a bigger appreciation for that. But yeah, I've always, always respected him. Even after the, after the fact, I, I stopped doing band. And that was another reason I just, after my third band teacher, I'm just like, you know what? These guys are just too mean. <laughs> I'm, not doing, <laughs> I'm not doing band anymore. And then I switched to choir, which was actually not that different, except for the choir teacher was much nicer. But I still got those, you know, very sim- uh, similar, uh, you know, outbreaks and, and things like that and calling out and, and such. I even got embarrassed uh, in choir my because ju- I was in choir freshman, sophomore, junior year. And I quit uh-huh. like uh, like in the middle of junior year because I got so embarrassed. Oh. No, senior year, senior year. Um, be- because, OK, because my senior year, I-, I was still in choir. I enjoyed it all throughout high school. But in the middle of my senior year. I was I was working full time. Okay, uh-huh. I, f- my son Phoenix was already born, so uh-huh. I, I had a baby as a senior. I was working 40, 40 plus hours a week. So in choir, which was like the first class of the day, I was sleeping a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. So I would I would often be caught uh, asleep in choir until one day when I woke up, I was presented an award for sleeping in class. Oh my god! And that gosh. embarrassed the hell out of me. And I uh, 
eventually quit. Um, and so, but yeah, you know what's funny? Phoenix now has him as a music teacher, a choir oh. teacher. <laughs> and he, he loves Phoenix. You know, uh, Phoenix has had some solos. So he's obviously a, a much better student than I. <laughs> Uh, so he's had that teacher now for two years. And so that's that's very interesting. He's the, the I think, the one teacher in high school that uh, Phoenix has that I had right now. So every time I go to like a parent-teacher conference, I try to go say hi to the other ones. Be like, remember <laughs> me? I struggled senior year. But, you know, you were a big part in like pushing me to, to like make sure I graduate, you know. And, <laughs> and now, here's the proof. Like, here's my son, <laughs> you know. Uh, Look, so, I'm not a delinquent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like I was screwing around, you know. Um, but yeah, the, it, it's very interesting. I'm having this discussion about my choir teacher and Phoenix has him now. So I'm, I'm, I'd be very curious to see if Phoenix has like uh, any stories where he's like, yeah, you know, Mr. Such and Such has had, you know, some of these moments where we're just kind of like, you know, kind of scared, you know, that kind of thing. But um, okay. Uh, another note about this movie is that it was filmed in my hometown, Portland, Oregon. Oh, really? So I don't know if you caught them dropping that. There, there were a few times where uh, you hear that it takes place in Portland. I think there was like a, some kind of um, news, like on on TV or radio or something, and they're like, you know, from Portland, Oregon, blah 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 blah. You know, when they're signing off. Uh huh. So that was dropped, I... but. I didn't pick up on that, but that's really cool. Yeah. So it was filmed here. And I do remember while I was in school, like kids were talking about it that uh, I don't, you know, they're kids, right? So I don't know if they're lying or not. But I, I remember one <laughs> classmate was saying that he was an extra in this uh, upcoming movie, Mr. Holland's Opus. <laughs> so it's funny because I, for whatever reason, I never watched this movie for the longest time. And I actually saw this in like my young adult life like it, probably like in my mid-20s is when i first watched it i'm like wow this is really good um and then now watching it now again it takes place over you know a few different decades i could kind of, like when they're outside of the school i could kind of see like some parts of town you know like in the background i go oh i have an idea where that is uh, oh that's but, awesome yeah but this was filmed at a high school it was filmed at uh, grant high school um which is really big and you can kind of see it too when they're outside like on the you know on the football field you know marching and things like that but uh grant high school still looks very similar to they didn't do anything different obviously except for changing it to jfk uh school um but uh i, I was trying to go back and i was going to try to pull up like some notable uh celebrities that went to that school but i was just i just get, didn't get a chance to i thought that would have yeah. been kind of cool um but also do you know the song Louie Louie? It sounds uh, the name rings a bell. Well, it, it was played. It was played. I think three times in this movie. Uh, the first time, it was actually, um, I want to say, it was the first rock and roll song that he played on the vinyl. You know, where it, it starts out with the guitar, dan 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 dan, uh, Louie Louie, oh baby. You know, we're, oh yeah, we're, okay, yeah. yeah. He, he, he was like, okay, so this song. These guys, they can't sing, but I love the three chords that they play, uh, and they do it because it's fun. You know, this is when he was talking to, like, uh, uh, Gertrude uh -huh. Lang, right? That's the song. This song was uh, written by the Kingsmen. The Kingsmen went to my high school, David Douglas, in Portland, Oregon. So I thought that was a neat tie, too. So I didn't look up the writer, but the... So I thought that was a nice touch, too. Being filmed yeah. in Portland, Oregon, they used a song from a group that went to school in Portland, Oregon. And I'm sure they mm -hmm. obviously came from here. So um, 
so yeah, this is a Portland little gem here. That this movie. Yeah. So that was really cool. So it's Portland's um, opus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Portland's opus. That was like terrible. That. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, somebody laughed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yay. So this this is a long movie, and I know like when we did Hook. We talked about how it being a family movie, it was extremely long. They're they're probably uh-huh. clocked in about uh, about the same uh, uh, um, length here at about two twenty two. I think this movie is, uh-huh. and that's including credits, though. Now, I wouldn't call this a family movie, despite it being rated PG. It, this is a drama. This is about a man and his family. Uh-huh. This doesn't have like things for kids. I mean, uh-huh. I, I I don't know if many kids can sit through this because it's long it may be very boring for them you know i uh-huh. I would just call this like a straight drama it's only rated pg because there's no i mean there's like you know um uh they there's like one bad word you know his son uh <laughs> uses the sign language for a hole and and he doesn't know what it is but his wife tells him that's basically it. there's no f-bombs you know or anything like that so it's only pg because of the content i don't think it's pg because uh-huh. it's a family movie so i kind of wanted to, yeah to throw that out do you agree with that i do agree i don't think kids would like this movie um they're they're not going to relate at all because like it's it's about a man essentially in his career so th- that's not something that they think about yet they like if it were from the viewpoint of students, maybe, but since since it's largely from his viewpoint, like that, that makes it more of a like young adult adult movie. And honestly, I think adults will like this movie more than young adults. Like I really liked it, but um, it's just I'm sure like a lot of adults can relate better than I can because I've not had any of this stuff that's happened to him happen to me. So. <laughs> Yeah, and and obviously for those that uh, you know have played music or even enjoy music, will probably uh, enjoy this movie. Um, uh-huh. So while taking the notes, and we kind of talked about this off mic, but I just took notes by decades, and it sounds like you said that you took pretty lengthful notes. Um, yeah, I did take some notes, um, ma- mainly just like thoughts I had like as the movie went on. So. Okay. Okay, no, that that'll be good. So we're just gonna kind of go by uh by decades. Anything you want to throw in, you know, we'll we'll obviously uh, discuss about it. But mine were bas were more like not even thoughts, just kind of bullet points to kind of like help uh-huh. progress because I wasn't sure like you know uh you know what thoughts we might have about something. Um, so okay, so we'll start off with uh, the '60s where we spend the like most of the movie. You know, it's probably like an hour and a half uh-huh. of the '60s to be honest. Um. So we mentioned that uh, Mr. Holland is a, you know, he's the new music teacher. And off the bat, he meets Vice Principal Walters, who, again, played by William H. Macy. He's got this uh, high and tight haircut, you know, former military. And we can kind of see that he kind of already has a problem, right? Because doesn't he um, uh, make some kind of remark to the, the vehicle that Mr. Holland drives? See, I'm not like a vehicle aficionado or anything, so I wasn't exactly, I, I wasn't um, clear on the shade that he was throwing to Mr. Holland for the vehicle that he was uh, uh, driving. Something about Ralph Nader? Yeah, I don't remember what exactly he said, but he definitely was like giving off not very nice vibes. <laughs> yeah, it was probably because it was like a foreign, uh, you know, a foreign vehicle, you know, and that's probably what he was 
saying about that. So that's kind of what I took it took from it. But you know, we're supposed to see that okay, this is probably the guy that he may be bumping heads throughout the movie. Uh-huh. Th- th- this vice principal, who's you know former military. Um, and then on the first day, you know, it's 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 kind of rough because you kind of mentioned it. This 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 orchestra, this band. Um, I'm I'm trying to think what is the difference uh, between orchestra and band. I obviously know because in in band it's more like the uh, the wind instruments, the the brass and percussions. In orchestra, you got uh, like the strings, and what else do they have that's different from band? So I could actually give you like the full like overblown explanation for it. <laughs> okay. There are there are different there are different things. There's um symphony orchestra and that's like everything. That's percussion, winds, um trumpets, brass, um I don't know why I specified trumpets. Um and <laughs> then also um like and also the strings. The strings are said to be the heart of an orchestra. So that's why you have a separate stringed orchestra. Um, and that's another genre, like some composers will compose pieces only for stringed orchestra. So you just have the four, um, the five parts, violin one, violin two, cello, viola, and bass. Yeah. And then also depending on the time period that a piece of music is from, that changes what the full orchestra will look like. Because mm, okay. some composers will write for... An orchestra that includes a harp. Some will include a saxophone. Talking Gershwin, um, and yeah, so it really just depends. And then you have band. You have different types of bands, like marching bands, right. um, obviously, as we see in the movie. And then there's also wind symphony, which is like it's wind instruments doing the um, like like p- playing pieces. And what they have in the movie, it looks like. A very tiny full orchestra. Okay, because like, when when I was in school, they had band separated from orchestra, and I feel like orchestra was just the string instruments. That's how it is at a yeah. lot of high schools and okay. stuff. At least in my area, which is far from your area, so it sounds like that may be like the general, the general trend. <laughs> yeah, and kind of like what you were saying, depending on the piece that they're composing or. You know, whatever that's that's when they may incorporate, you know, like some of the the band members and things like that. Uh, uh-huh. But I I never, yeah, I'm pretty sure I never worked with the orchestra, but I do remember, you know, it being two uh, two separate entities. Uh huh. Okay. Like you can you can see the difference between the pieces that um the orchestra's playing versus the pieces that they're playing when they're a marching band. Like they play Stars and Stripes Forever, I believe, which is like the marching band song right right (laughs) it's like the essential um and then like they're playing they're trying to play i should say trying trying to play beethoven's fifth symphony um in the orchestra that he has at the beginning sorry i got lost there a second it's okay um can we actually talk about the the scene with the um orchestra where they're trying to play that the the very like the first day of school or the, the, the like yeah. the first couple of days sure yeah that's actually where we're at right now yeah I, f- I figured but I just I had to express my like my awe at the fact that this high school orchestra is attempting to play Beethoven's Fifth Symphony just a little like, ambitious for them yes that that's not some kind of like like ah, ha, ha, I think I'll pick up the instrument today and play it like I, I, that that kind of like at first I 
it threw me off. Like, it made me think I wasn't going to like the movie because of the fact that um, they, they were, like, showing this high school orchestra that was trying to play this that clearly was not able to play it. <laughs> so, like, like, it ended up getting better from there. Like, they didn't, like, keep trying to do stuff like that. So that fixed it for me. But I was just, like, completely, like, like amazed. Like, yeah, just... <laughs> Um. Yeah, they they um they, they were definitely rough. Uh, you know, the first couple of days, you know, it, it was kind of like I don't even think he was more like, okay, all right, well, we got a lot of work to do. He was just kind of like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> you know, that's how bad they were. They they I I didn't remember like his first couple of days being that bad, but um uh-huh. yeah, it was it was pretty rough. Um, do you want to? We can talk about uh, Miss Lang, uh, Gertrude Lang, you know, which is um, probably the main character from this decade, I, I would say. But I have one note here. While uh, during lunch, uh, we see Mr. Walters sending two girls home because their dress, yeah. not even skirts, their dress was was too short. And this was really weird because um, so they're, he's in the lunch room or in the cafeteria and he sees I think weren't the like the two girls like sitting down too I don't remember exactly but I think I know where you're going yeah so <laughs> either they were sitting down or they just happened to be walking by and then he yeah he calls these two girls over and he's like get on your knees and I'm like oh that was it? that was really weird right <laughs> yeah so and you know I'm sure like for the people that are older you know that that went to school around that time you know be like yeah that, that's exactly how they did it but obviously for us we're like that's weird why are you telling two girls to get on their knees uh mm-hmm. in the middle of the cafeteria mm-hmm. but apparently since the their dresses were not touching the floor and just above their knees it was too high but when they stood up i'm like that's not even short yeah you know what the standard is these days um, it's for shorts and for skirts. You have to be able to put your hands by your side and the the hem of your shorts or your skirt, they, it has to go past the tips of your fingers. And that doesn't sound very long either. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not that long. It's, I mean, but if you look at all the shorts girls are wearing these days, they are very, very short. So I, I have not noticed. <clears throat> <laughs> Yes, uh, I, I know you're a very, very moral man. So yes, that's right. <laughs> I, I trust you have not. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But, but yeah, like, and that's also a much less intrusive way of checking the length. I think. Yeah. Um, rather than having them get on their knees, like, man, like, that. Yeah, that that I agree with you. That was really weird. Yeah, but but it, it's just like you know, just more of uh, showing the character of Mr. Walters. You know how he's very like you know by the book that kind of thing. And he was um, mm-hmm. saying that, well, he was telling them that they were going to have to call their parents and I think possibly suspend them if they didn't change their dress or something like that. I, I forget, but I just thought it was very like over, the, not over the top, but it was a little much, you know, yeah. for it, but again, that's probably how it was back in 65. I want to say when this, the, the first year. Yeah. It, it was 65. Um, when this uh, uh-huh. t- took place, I just thought that was very interesting. Um, but yeah, he, he talks to like the principal and this is when, you know, he's um, being told like, yeah, you need to, to do more than just to show up for, for school, like, like the kids do. And so like Miss Lang, you know, he calls her Miss Lang, obviously, but it's Gertrude. Um, she plays the, the clarinet. And this, this shows how, like, how out of the loop I am with band instruments, because I thought it was an oboe. 
But I mean, uh, don't yeah. they look similar? I mean, is oboe bigger? It's just bigger, right? I... Um, well, oboe has um, a double reed, so it's a little bit more difficult to play, I believe. So, so the sound for oboe, it's kind of nasally. Okay. Well, yeah, the clarinet's the deep one. It has a very like, I, I've always thought of it as being a very strong timber kind of. Um, okay. Like you, you hear clarinets, they can play so low and also so high and. Like when they play low, there's just a very full sound that you don't hear with the oboe. Okay, okay, that's very interesting. Yeah, because I, I wrote oboe, and then later on he says clarinet. I'm like, oh, what an <laughs> idiot! So Aww. yeah, um, yeah, she she struggles with the clarinet, but uh, I don't. Do you take it that he sees something in her, or he's just like, you know what? I need to start somewhere, and she is struggling. So I'm going to help her out because he kind of calls her out like in class and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly think that he thought that she wasn't, that she was one of those people who just shows up. That's kind of the impression that I got from that. Um, And then he probably felt really bad when it turned out that she actually was working really hard to, to keep up. And, you know, she'd only been playing for three years. Um, I tell you, I did not play my first full symphony until I got to college. And that was after I'd been playing for um, like nine years. So like, like that just goes to show you, like, it's, it's not an easy task. And, you know, he's asking these kids, like, let's play one of the greatest pieces of classical music ever right now. Like, (laughs) so, um, yeah, like I think that made him feel kind of bad that like when he found out that she'd only been playing three years and she really wanted to be good at it. Um, yeah, there's a lot it, of pressure uh, on her because, you know, she talks about how uh, her sister, I forgot what her sister did, but like her brother got like, a scholarship to Notre Dame to play football. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, her parents did something, too. I think they also played, like, the uh, instruments. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, there was a lot of pressure for her, uh, uh-huh. you know, to, to do something as well. And that's why she, she did this. And, you know, he, he gives her the advice, you know, do something that, that you love. Uh-huh. Right? Or am I mis- mixing that up with Rowena? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. I, I think you have it right. Okay. And can I just say I really related to her character, not just because she's a ginger, which she is. Um, and she has the same name as you. <laughs> <laughs> you yes, know, true. The I, actress does. I did um, think, think of you like watching this movie because I, I knew the actress. <laughs> I was like, hey, her name's Alicia and she's a redhead too. <laughs> it's always funny. I actually met somebody on Twitter the other day who was named Alicia and was a redhead. So oh, that, that's funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I like related to her because um, I'm... I'm in college orchestra right now, but I'm not a music major. Okay. And so a lot of these people in this orchestra, they are amazing. They are all like music majors. And so they're all like fantastic. And orchestra is just something they do extra. Like they don't have to work that hard at the music because they're already like technically so good that they, they can just pick it up much easier than I can. But I have to, I have to practice a lot, but it still sometimes just feels like I'm not there yet. Um, and so like, I could kind of relate to her, like, you know, she's trying really hard to keep up with all these other people. Um, and sometimes like, like, that's just, it doesn't, it doesn't work out because you're, you're trying to get too high. Like, you know, like she's reaching for something that's not quite attainable for her skill level yet. And 
yeah so that that just really like touched me like that was the first like emotional pang for me <laughs> oh wow that that's very interesting because i have a couple scenes too but it's not until later that uh so th yeah that's that's very interesting that that really hit with you there uh -huh. Um, and I like this next scene because it really shows where he was coming from, uh, when he accepted this position, you know, you kind of mentioned that, yeah, he, he kind of shows up and expects them to play like these really grand, uh, music, you know, and, um, he, he makes them take a test and like all these questions that he's asking, he thinks like the scores and the answers are just pathetic. And he's calling out the students too, like for what they put, you know, like, um, I uh -huh. forgot what one of the questions was. It was like in, um, it was, I think it was asking about, um, the modes. Uh, I forget which ones, um, lymph, um, maybe like Mixolydian and I forget which one starts with an L. There's another mode. That starts with an L, and I think I think he was like asking about those two, like what the difference was, and yeah, and so that one was like the, the like, one student says like look in the in the front of the book question mark like is is that the answer? Oh to that oh one? that that one was the um what how do you know what P a can or what P oh my gosh how do you know what key a concerto is in? Oh my. yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, so are you asking me a question or like, yeah, the way he was just saying that was just really, uh, you know, kind of demeaning to the kids. Well, but, to be fair, that that particular question yeah, is kind right. of a no brainer. <laughs> yeah, but, but then also the, the, the answer itself, like uh, with a question mark, like, you know, it, <laughs> that that's not a very bright student if he's answering with a question, you know, so um. Yeah, I, I just thought it was really interesting. So I think he's starting to kind of realize, like, yeah, these kids do not do not know music like I thought they would, mm -hmm. you know. And that kind of gives them like the first clue, like, okay, this is, you know, maybe I need to go something a little bit simpler uh -huh. and figure out how, like, to really reach them, you know, to what they actually know. Um, but he he does get there. Um, he's complaining to his wife, you know, basically saying like how he he hates teaching. You know, it's. It's not coming in as easy as he thought. You know, he just wants to compose and such. But um, uh -huh. like in the middle of him complaining, she's like, I'm pregnant. So she just drops like the prego bomb on him. Yeah, yeah. That was an interesting choice for her. <laughs> um, and also, I guess here that uh, his love of music came when he used to play uh, Coltrane uh, records. And he didn't like it at first, but he would just, you know, continue playing them, playing and playing until he realized that that's what he wanted to do was write and make music. And so I guess having that talk with his wife, it made him think like, okay, what, what can I do to get them to want to play the music? Like, well, I got to talk about the stuff that they like, you know, and so so he gets their attention by like comparing cl like classical music and rock and roll. Uh huh. And wasn't it like a uh, like a Bach piece that he played? Yeah, well, not, not at first. Yeah. See, and so that's my uh, ignorance there. I didn't know the title, but he played like a, a rock song by the Toys, which uh, is like Lovers Concerto, and that's that's what they called it. And then he played uh -huh. you know Bach's Minuet in G. Is that what you mm -hmm. said? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you play that. So it's basically the same song. And they're just like, wow, okay, that's that's kind of cool. And so, uh -huh. um, yeah, so around this time, like, uh, Gertrude, like, she gives up. She just flats out, like, she gives up. She, um, I don't know, is this where, like, uh, she came late 
to uh, like a a session they were supposed to have, and he's like, "Oh, you left your clarinet here," or am I misremembering that? No, I think you're remembering it right. It was such a long movie, and I'm <laughs> so I'm just yeah, trying no. to like pick out like, yeah, but because yeah, I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember if there were any lines dropped that you know she was kind of into politics or something. Because I'm trying to remember what was she really more passionate about than playing the clarinet. I don't remember if they made any references to that. Okay. I, I, I thought it would have been kind of nice if they did, you know, because of what yeah. we see at the end. But okay. Um, but yeah, he, you know, we, we talked about the song Louie Louie. You know, that's uh-huh. uh, he does play that for them. And I think that's also the scene where, like, Mr. Walters hears that. And then, no, no, no. Uh. It's when uh, Mr. Holland was playing uh, rock and roll on the on the piano. Uh-huh. Right. And then like you see this uh kind of bit of physical comedy where Mr. Walters is like running through the hallways and he's sliding because he's wearing, you know, those dress shoes. Uh-huh. And then like he runs up to the, the classroom door and he sees, you know, Mr. Holland playing rock and roll and he's just got this face like, Yeah, this this is the music of the devil. We we cannot play this. At at that point, like I didn't realize like what time the movie took place. Like I forget, was there like a little note at the beginning that it was happening in 1965 or um i don't remember i almost want to say yes okay well i must have missed it because i was under the impression that it was happening in the 90s and i was starting to think like okay hey so things seem a little bit too uptight to be the 90s and then i went on wikipedia and it said that it started in 1965 and i was like oh that's why he thinks rock and roll music is the devil. <laughs> yeah, I almost want to say we get one uh, that may say it was 1965 because, like, later on, they try to use, like, music cues to kind of let us know, like, what era, you know, by playing, like, a, um, you know, like, other rock music that we can associate, like, certain yeah, decades with. Yeah. So I, I think that's how they did it later on. So I, I want to say, and I don't know, maybe maybe because I had pre-knowledge, maybe that's why, too, but I don't remember exactly. Um but I, but if you look at like Mr. Walter's haircut, the the cars they were driving, you can uh-huh. kind of get an idea around when. You may even think as early as the fifties. But um, yeah, looking at Wikipedia, it says that uh, you know when Mr. Holland accepted this position, he was thirty. He didn't look thirty because I'm thirty two and he looked a lot older than me. <laughs> but they do an outstanding job in aging him from thirty to yes. sixty. Yes, yes, they do. That that's like. That was some really great makeup because even when the movie ends at him at 60, that's what Richard Dreyfuss looks like now. He looks exactly the way he looks, you know, 20 years ago in that movie. So, uh, yeah, they did an amazing job at aging him, um, you know, starting with 30. I I did believe he was a young man, but he did not look 30, uh, in my opinion. Maybe for the 60s, to be honest, because like back then, if you look at pictures, people from like 60s, 70s and 80s, they all look like they were 40 years old in high school. <laughs> yeah, kind of. They they do. <laughs> yeah. And then like once you hit like the, the 90s, everyone looks like they were 10 years old when they were actually 18 or something. It's really weird. Something in the food, I think, over the years. And now today, the ones who are like, like 14, like are looking 18 and stuff and it's madness. <laughs> yeah, so something must have happened between the 80s and in the 90s with the food. So Yeah, something it, in the water? <laughs> that could that could be it. Yeah, well, I think we're on to something here. Um 
So so we find out Mr. Walters is a rat because, yeah, he does go to uh, Mrs. Jacobs, the principal, you know, so they're having a sit down uh, at the uh, in, in the office. And this was probably my, the first time that I had a really good chuckle. Mr. Holland, I do not want to interfere in the curriculum of any teacher. But next week I have a meeting with the school board. And there are people in this community who believe that rock and roll is a message sent from the devil himself. Now, when that issue comes up, what can I tell them? Mrs. Jacobs, you tell them that I am teaching music and that I will use anything from Beethoven to Billie Holiday to rock and roll if I think it'll help me teach a student to love music. That's a reasonable answer, Mr. Holland. I can tell them that. Was there something else? Yes. Um, have you been to any of the football games this season, Mr. Holland? I can't say that I have, no. Well, Mrs. Jacobs and I feel that there's something missing. Touchdowns. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you know about marching bands? Pardon me? And yeah, he, yeah. He just breaks out in this laugh, and I thought it was so funny, um, because like, it, because like, so uh, he doesn't go to the football games, but he knows that they lose, uh, and so I thought that was a really funny line. So there's I often really... a reason why people don't go to their school's football games. Absolutely, you're absolutely <laughs> right. And the ones that do go, they uh, if they're not winning, that's just because they're going to go hang out with their friends, obviously. Uh -huh. You know, but you're right. That so I thought that was extremely extremely funny. So they decide to put him, or they want to start like a marching band you know to play at these games and um so that's where we get the scene where he meets mr meister and um they in for mr meister in well no no he didn't he met mr meister earlier on in the lunchroom uh -huh. which we passed but no big deal but uh mr meister sees him out there trying to like lead the the band students like into marching you know and he's like you never were in the army right because uh, clearly you don't know how to march and um so he's like i'll i'll help you with these kids if you can help uh with lewis russ you know he's a uh -huh. he's a black student uh who is struggling academically and if mr holland can help him you know in like have him teach lewis uh you know how to play an instrument and band he can get some kind of academic credit leading him to being able to like wrestle and stuff like that mm -hmm. so we kind of get this what do you think of, uh, about this subplot with the with the character of uh, lewis russ i didn't really like it to be okay. honest just because the way they were like they did like this uh montage of him trying to learn rhythm like just how to like find the beat and that's something like did you think that was offensive a white man teaching a black student uh, rhythm <laughs> no not, not that's not really where i was and, going and that's a fair you know i'm not trying to be funny or anything like that but yeah, <laughs> Is I, that I, what, I think that's a huh that's an honest that what question you thought? Yeah, well, I didn't quite think that because, like, look, I, I know there's that uh, stereotype that you know black people have rhythm and white people don't. They uh -huh. even they even do that in Rocky Three, you know. Well, uh -huh. But uh, of course, it's actually uh, spoken by uh, a racist in that movie, Mickey. No, not Mickey. Um, Polly, you know, the, the brother-in-law. He's you know a racist, and and he kind of talks about like you know blacks and whites, and Rocky has no rhythm because he's white. But uh. that's a different podcast that I already covered. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I didn't find that offensive, but I um, 
in my opinion, I just thought it kind of slowed down the story a little bit. Yeah. Because like I felt maybe it should have been at least one student per decade. Um, and I can see why this particular subplot was in there. When we get to the 70s, I'll bring it up. But mm-hmm. I, I, I did feel like this kind of slowed it down. Like, I think this is this is really tough because this is well written, in my opinion. Okay. Um, I felt the Gertrude Lang character was kind of needed to be introduced. But it was really weird because you got uh, Gertrude and Lewis in the same decade. Uh-huh. You, you know, like maybe they should have been uh, separated uh, in different decades because I did that feel. Was... Go ahead. Sorry, um, that that was something that I kind of thought. Like, I honestly like, like it kind of distracted. Yet, like you said, distracted from the whole storyline. It it made it like flow not as well. That was very awkward wording. Um, but but you know, like it, you clearly have not listened to my other shows because I I do a lot of awkward wording. <laughs> so that's that's okay. It can be a thing. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It, it totally is. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it, it did it did kind of slow down the movie a little bit, and it's just like okay, we're doing this marching piece, and now we got a student that's struggling. If you want to introduce introduce him, maybe he should have been a little bit more of a focal point in this particular decade, because that's why we spend so much time in the '60s, because we had Gertrude in like the early '60s, and then I guess Louis uh, Russ here in the second half of the '60s, perhaps. I I don't. I, I think it is different years, right? I don't think it's like both in 65, right? I think, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I think Gertrude is when he first starts school. And then, you know, Lewis Russ is like later on in the 60s, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, coming in here. So, yeah, we, we do spend a lot of time with him. We get montages of uh, Mr. Holland trying to teach him how to play the percussion and but stuff like that. But it's not that hard to find rhythm. That That's what got me. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's... Like that's like an innate human thing. Like you can you can find the beat if something's playing. You can, like you can tap along with it. It's not extremely difficult. But they they were acting like uh, like he was okay. Like it, it was like a Rocky montage. Like he's training to fight Apollo Creed. <laughs> but it's, so so no, coming so coming uh, from a musical standpoint, you're like this is the wrong thing to focus on with this character that he has. Yeah. No rhythm. Okay, I got you. All right. That, that's, that's like why, saying like why why can't this boxer punch i mean he yeah boxes. exactly <laughs> okay like like sweetheart if you can't punch you need to find something else to do <laughs> yeah um uh, like i i honestly i know what they were trying to do in showing these characters like they were trying to establish the fact that he is learning how to be a good teacher and such but they only needed to do it one time really like they didn't need to dwell so much because it just like like we've said like three times like it just disrupts the story and like the the thing that i think they're trying to get at is like the fact that like musicians they learn how to work hard um because you can't google how to play a piece of music like yeah you can't google it and then know how to do it you have to it's something you have to work hard at just like with sports um, and so, like, I think they were trying to, like, establish that um, that ethic um, in Mr. Holland and, like, that he was giving it to his students. But I just didn't like that that he, um, the writer chose to do it, like, with two different characters. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's a very good insight on that. Um, and then I guess we finish off with the 60s with uh, his son Cole. And th- this was really... 
um, I'm not sure if disheartening was the, is the right word, but they're at some kind of a parade, you know. Um, uh-huh. I don't remember exactly what they're celebrating, but that's not really the, the point of this. Yeah. Of this scene, so they're they're at like a parade, and then like um like a like a fire truck comes by, just blaring its horn, uh-huh. and you know, so it slows down. So we got a slow mo here, and then Iris having the realization, like everybody around her is covering their kids' ears and she's covering her ears and she looks down at Cole and he's asleep. And, oh, I'm sorry, his, I, I guess we didn't even talk about Cole being born, but Cole is short yeah, for Cole's Cole Yeah, Cole's <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, we find out that Cole is deaf, you know, and so the, um, oh, gosh, that, that scene was just really that heartbreaking. Was, yeah. Uh, especially, like, the um, when he comes home and, you know, and she brings it up, you know, I think Cole is deaf. You know, they kind of get into talk about that. And she was like, you know, I tried everything. I, I tried sneaking up on him. I tried yelling his name. And when I started stomping the floor, you know, he turned to look and thought that I was playing with him, you know. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then Mr. Holland's like, Cole, Cole, you know. And then, like, yeah, Cole doesn't even turn his back. So, like, me being a parent, you know, I could not imagine, you know, having a child with any type of a- handicap, like, let alone being deaf, you know, having uh-huh. being really hard to communicate. And I think, I think um, one of the things a lot of people don't know is that, uh, okay, so Phoenix was already born when I had seen this movie, but uh-huh. I have a, a three and a half year old. Prior to him being born, I bought a lot of books on, um, on the ASL, American Sign Language. And uh-huh. I was trying to teach myself the very basic hand gestures or sign language for certain things that a kid would want. And my son, he still uses some of those now. You know, I, I taught him more hungry food, poop, pee, you know, some of the very basic stuff, um, want, you know, and so uh, read, read is probably uh-huh. the one that he still uses the most, you know, because he can talk now, but like at night, oh, um, when... if I didn't realize Phoenix was deaf. No, no, no. Phoenix is not deaf, but, um, oh, oh, my, okay, my, okay. my three and a half year old, oh, when he was okay. born, yeah, when he was born in, in to communicate with him, I taught myself some. I'm sorry. So I might have said something wrong. Like that. Maybe, <laughs> I'm no, so, yeah. I'm no, sorry. No. No. That's what. Yeah. That's why I say I can't imagine like you know having any kids with handicaps, like let alone uh, being deaf. But um, when my three year old was born, it was important to me to be able to communicate with with my child, and I knew you know he wasn't going to be talking for a while. So I took it upon myself to try to learn some of these sign language so I can teach my my baby when he was born. And as he got older and older, he was able to mimic the sign languages and I knew exactly what he wanted, you know, nice. so like the three and a half year old now, Preston, um, when we uh, at nighttime, when it's time to get ready for bed, he will sometimes still like uh, sign, you know, he uh, read, you know, daddy, uh, daddy read, you know, he, he can't form the complete sentence like daddy, can you read to me? He'll say daddy read and sometimes he'll do the Aww. sign language for it. So uh, so it really works. And I think without this movie, I never would have thought of doing that because I didn't have any friends that told me to do so. Uh huh. Yeah, that's you don't imagine those things happening. Um, it's yeah, it, it's something you don't want to imagine. Like, because like you know you're gonna love your kid no matter what, and the thought, but the thought that you're gonna have to watch your kid like deal with a disability or something like that's just that's terrifying for a parent. Like I'm not a parent, but I can, I can just imagine. You know, I, I want to say that I like your choice of word for saying disability. I hope like by me saying handicap just a little bit ago, wasn't offensive to anybody. Do you, do you have any knowledge if that, like, 
like I, maybe I should just use the word disability over handicap or does um, it matter? I, I have no, um, no sense of PC-ness, politically correctness about okay. that. I, okay. I wasn't thinking too hard about it. Yeah, um, I obviously don't, uh, you know, meant to mean to offend anybody, you know, if I do. Obviously, it's just my ignorance. You know, I, I don't have anybody that's handicapped or, dis, uh, you know, has any disabilities in my family. So, you know, uh, the little disclaimer, I know it's a little late in the show now, but if we, <laughs> we, if we misuse certain words, you know, we're just trying to review the movie uh, and we don't mean any... Yes, yes. Um. <laughs> you know, so, okay. Uh, okay, so, yeah, Cole's deaf. And um, so do you want to get into the 70s now? Um, I actually kind of want to talk about the fact that Cole's deaf. Okay, um, yeah, something, yeah, it is a big deal, so. Something that, like, the musical nerd in me noticed, um, like, there there was an obvious, like, way in which um, uh, Mr. Holling compares his son to Beethoven, who, as I'm sure, like, most people know, like, Beethoven became deaf later in life gradually um, deaf yeah yeah um and like so a lot of i'm sure everybody sees the um the connection there because like the day after he learns that his son is deaf he's teaching his class about beethoven and then you know that one kid raises his hand to ask the question like oh but how could he how did he know what it would sound like if he could hear it and you know like mr holland's forced to admit like because he wasn't deaf and then he, he was one- born deaf or yeah, oh yeah, because he was born, he wasn't born deaf. Yeah, that's, thank you. <laughs> so, um, so there's one further way in which peril, um, in which Mr. Holland like notices kind of a parallel to Beethoven with his kid or not even like notices a parallel, but, um, well, I'm, I might've imagined this, I'll admit, but it, it felt to me like the writer, I forget his name. I know he did a great job writing this, but he includes the scene and it just, to me, um, it reminded me of Beethoven because it's, I'm talking about the one in which um, Mr. Holland's like directing the orchestra. You see Cole and his mother come in and then Cole like, you know, starts smiling. He sees his father directing. And so he starts kind of like, you know, waving his arms along, you know, like how kids always pretend to do that. And then he closes his eyes and then Mr. Holland stops the orchestra because they finished the piece. And, you know, he looks over at Cole and Cole is still, Cole is still, you know, waving his arms because his eyes are closed. Right, right. Yeah, um, and that to me reminded me of um, the story in which um, Beethoven, at the premiere of his final symphony, um, you know, he was deaf at that premiere. Um, he didn't realize it was over. He had to be turned around to see the audience clapping to realize it was over. Oh um, wow! Okay. Yeah, so I, I kind of like, like it was in, Beethoven was in my head since they'd been talking about him, but yeah, since. Since he was still in my head, like I just kind of made that connection, and I'm not sure whether or not that was intentional. But for me, that was like the moment in which, like, it dawns on Mr. Holland, like, I'm not going to be able to share the things I love most, the thing I love most with, like, one of the people I love most, and you know, so so that for me really broke my heart. So yeah, that's yeah a bit of musical nerding out i did <laughs> no that's not even nerding out i mean that's like a, like a paternal thing too you know where, where you got to look at it from his point of view something that he's so passionate about he cannot teach to his own son you know mm-hmm. and here he is a, a music teacher but the um the writer is a uh, patrick sean duncan 
And Duncan, you know, I, I knew, I knew, I knew it was something yeah. with an unk. So I'm just kind of like l- looking at like a, this a very like short biography of his, but uh, it mm-hmm. looks like um, a lot of his career has been influenced by uh, his experiences serving in the Vietnam War. Uh-huh. But it doesn't really say anything about like uh, like music stuff, you know. Um, it, it looks like he had a part in like the Elvis um, miniseries like in 2005, but it doesn't say he has like any background in music or anything like that but he really wrote this movie well i mean uh, it was nominated for uh, a golden globe for for writing i I believe um which also like uh on that same note richard dreyfus was nominated for best actor at the academy awards for this which he yeah i remember reading that yeah i think he lost out to like nicholas cage in uh leaving las vegas or something wait nicholas cage has an oscar i apparently so i mean he he won it over um Richard Dreyfus, who was nominated for this role, and uh, Anthony Hopkins, who was in Nixon, and I think Sean Penn in Dead Man Walking. I, I kind of looked that up last night, but I haven't seen Leaving Las Vegas um, because I'm not a huge Nicolas Cage fan. I have like maybe two movies that I like, maybe three. <laughs> um I mean, no, some of his movies are fun. They're just not great, you know, and so I, I'd be very interested in kind of checking that out just to see like if i wonder if it was a snub you know what i mean because i yeah. thought richard dreyfus really owned this role uh-huh. for everything that he did you know so yeah really surprising i i agree and i you said you're not that much of a nick cage fan i am not at all a nick cage fan so oh, okay yeah <laughs> i will never ask you to come on for a nicholas cage movie and i appreciate that i appreciate it (laughs) okay what if it was one where he just had small roles in like where he wasn't the lead okay as long as i don't have to look at a lot of his facial expression he doesn't have a very pleasing facial expression okay (laughs) yeah all right fair enough (laughs) okay uh let me see did we did we get into the the 70s a little bit um my first note that when we got into the 70s is he has like his first big fight with Iris and um, you know, it was about, she was basically saying like how he doesn't want to really take the time, um, you know, to learn like the sign language to Uh communicate with his own son and that, you know, he puts all his work into these kids. And uh, I just thought it was really heartbreaking. And I think uh, uh, Glenn Headley, you know, who plays Iris, I thought she did a really good job too. Um, you know, I'm not saying that she should have been like nominated for best supporting actress in this role, but <laughs> but I just thought that, that was a really strong scene for her. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and I honestly wanted that scene to happen. I was waiting for it because, like, it, it's kind of upsetting seeing. Like, I'm sure as a father, like you were a bit upset, like seeing this guy being so disconnected from his son. Yeah, uh, it needed so- to be addressed. Yeah, definitely. So and, I, I thought she nailed it. And, you know, we talked a little bit about like how they did an awesome job on aging him. Her, not so much. Uh-huh. <laughs> they they added a few wrinkles and made her hair not as nice throughout the years. But that's really it. <laughs> I did as not, you get I, older, your hair is not as nice. Yeah, I'll remember I didn't, that. <laughs> I didn't believe her to be, you know, go from 30 to 60. She looked like she uh, stayed at like 40 the entire time. Uh-huh. Well, I guess since she's a girl, like they wanted her to look younger, uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, in the 70s, there's um, 
there's this student. I I didn't catch his name, and I didn't know if this was gonna be a big role or not. But it's the the hippie kind of guy. You know, he had like, the curly brown hair. Um, he looked like one of the guys from the monkeys, you know, uh-huh. that band. Um, but he apparently this this kid, he is really well, first off, I call him a kid, but he seems to be the oldest student uh, Mr. Holland has, uh, like, of all the decades. But, yeah, um, he seems to be he had a problem like with one of the black students or something. And I don't think it was meant to be like a kind of like a racial thing. But I think it was just showing that, you know, this the school is starting to get more diverse. And um, but the the student is like he, he I, I think we get that he's like a stoner type, you know, but he's very bright. And Mr. Holland sees that in him. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is the scene where like uh, 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 the student comes with like a note from the office and it's Mrs. Jacobs. You know, there's like a message on there. And then we see Mr. Holland's face, you know, kind of drop. and He goes, tell Mrs. Jacobs, I'll take care of it. You know, and then we go to a funeral and then we find out that yeah. Lewis Russ died. So that's that's the reason they introduced him earlier on. And, you know, it, it, I, I'm still sticking with with what we said earlier, that this subplot was still kind of unneeded. I see why they had that scene was to do this scene, but we still could take these out. Yeah. And it would still be a very moving film. Like, yeah. It would be like that. two hours, you know, mm-hmm. maybe just a little under two hours. and It would still work. You know, you introduce this, this, this stoner kid where you kind of open up his eyes by taking him to this, um, to this funeral, you know, which uh, we find out that Lewis was uh, also served. He died in combat. You know, uh, they have a 21 gun salute for him. You know, it's very moving me, you know, having served, I have, um, I had a friend that died in combat and we mm-hmm. had a funeral for him overseas. So we had the mm-hmm. 21 gun salute, uh, you know, so we had this this whole thing. So that kind of took me back a little bit, except for it wasn't as formal because since we were overseas, we didn't have that uniform. Right. Yeah. So um, so that really hit with me. But so I felt like so what was the purpose of having Lewis for us? Was it just to open up the eyes of one more student? If that's the case, his his character was was underused because after that we don't see him until the very end again, uh-huh. just in passing. Like, hey, I remember you. Yeah, you were you were here. <laughs> you were here, and that's that's another thing. You know, I'll save that this comment for when we get there. But that's basically like all of the seventies. You know, we get uh, like a small scene of Mrs. Jacob, Mrs. Jacobs, uh, telling him that he's going to retire. And this was a very sweet moment. You know, she she admits that of all the teachers that he was her favorite and Mm -hmm. she gives him like a parting gift. Well, she's parting, but she gives him a gift, you know, a compass, which I thought was kind of a sweet too, like harking Uh back to a conversation that they had. Uh But that was it for the 70s. Did you have any other notes for that? Uh, Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So very brief. So uh, again, like. Did you introduce Russ Lewis or Lewis Russ? His name is kind of weird. Like I feel like it should be Russ Lewis. Um, they yeah, both Lewis work as first names, so it's well. Confusing. I guess in the military, he would be called Russ Lewis. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the the seventies was kind of wasted on. Uh, you know, uh, as far as yeah, Mr. Holland's life, I, I guess there wasn't a whole lot there. But uh, we go into the eighties, and now uh, we get. Um, what is it? They, they, they're putting on a play, you know, so now he's in charge uh-huh. of a play. So we see like a, a bit of progression, I guess, in, in his role in the school. And so he's like the, the, the composer and there's a new student 
by the name of Ro, uh, Rowena Morgan. Uh, and, you know, she wants to be a singer and she's a very good singer, too. Uh-huh. Uh, she, she doesn't play any instruments or anything like that. But again, this is just showing his progression in uh, his career, you know, that now he's a composer. Um, do you want to start with maybe talking about the uh, relationship with him and Cole as Cole as a teenager? Or do you want to start with uh, talk about Rowena more? We can talk about Rowena since we've brought okay. her up. Although first, I would like to say that her name sounds like it should be said with a British accent. Ro- Rowena. Ha- Ro- Rowena. Rowena. Yeah, yeah okay. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sure her name has like some kind of tie to like an ancestor or, or something like that. But later on, her boyfriend calls her Ro, and I don't know why we couldn't have just shortened it to Ro. But you're right; it's it's a little. But I don't know. I mean. Rowena does work more as like the Rowena's theme later on, I guess. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't know. But I, I guess, guess Rose's you... theme doesn't sound very good. <laughs> no, I guess not. Rose theme, yeah. Um but yeah, she's uh she's kind of like the star of this play, you know. Um she's a very uh talented singer. Uh and she's very, you know, she's a beautiful young lady, you know. I I'm you know, I think that's fair to say because because the, the, here's another subplot with this with this new um this, this student so you know we get to see that she like kind of builds like an admiration for for mr uh-huh. holland you know just respects the hell out of him and um, she's like a teacher's dream student like she yeah she wants she respects her teacher she loves like the subject he's teaching and she wants to improve herself at it and she's willing to put in the work so that's like that's a music teacher's literal dream. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good. That's a good point that you make because that's a good contrast in like his pre- previous like uh, students too. You know, like everybody has struggled. One 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 student didn't know rhythm. Um, you know, he had the <laughs> band that couldn't play music, and now he's got this dream student. I, I like that. Uh-huh. I think that's 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 a very good take. Um, yeah, and she, you know, he has a talk with her because. And I think I'm kind of jumping around in the 80s here, but uh, that scene in the cafe, am I missing anything before that? Really? Um, I think nothing that stood out to me. Okay, may- maybe the stuff with like, um, I guess before the cafe scene, uh, there- there's um, Cole and Iris, they go to like one of the, no, no, now I'm jumping ahead. Um, Mr. Holland is, he wrote, you know, some music for, for the uh for the play and he titled it Rowena's theme. Uh-huh. And uh his wife, you know, Iris, she walks by and she's like, "Oh, who's Rowena?" And him, uh. <laughs> you know, being a typical male, you know, he he lies. You uh-huh. know, he's like, "Oh, you know, she's this Norse god and I'm sure I have some book lying somewhere around here." <laughs> and I'm just like, well, yeah. "Okay, I guess I guess you know, if you're honest, that's like a red flag, right? Like, yeah. oh, it's the name of a student of mine." But like, then why would you title title it, uh, Rowena? Yeah, I I didn't. I, yeah, I thought that was like interesting, and I, I, I guess, guess uh, I'm looking at her name, and if if he titled it backwards, it would be a new or. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't quite work as a, like a new or's theme. I like it. He should have yeah. titled it that. Okay, there you go. Like, uh, and then no questions. Uh, Iris may be like, "What's a new oar?" Like, well, my no. old oar is broken. And I need <laughs> to get across the pond. Right. <laughs> so exactly. So, uh, but yeah. So you know that that's kind of a clue there. Like, ah, he's lying about Rowena. So there's there might be something there. You know. Uh-huh. Um, also, 
I like the fact that um, his wife earlier in the movie mentions like, you know, oh, well, yeah, I had a crush on one teacher. He was yes. the music teacher. And then like that, I, th- I thought that was really good use of foreshadowing there. Yeah. And I think that was early on too, like still in the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was yeah. like in his first few days as a teacher, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think you're you're right. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't write that down, but I was like, that'd be a good thing to remember. But I didn't write <laughs> it down, which, which is kind of funny. Yeah, so there, there's a scene that I guess Rumina, she happens to be in this cafe. He's already sitting down and she asks to join him, you know, and they kind of get into talking. And, um, you know, she's talking about like after high school, uh, her dad wants her to come work at, was it a restaurant that he owned? I th- he, yeah, I think something like that. Yeah, so a family restaurant that her dad wants her to come work at that's his dream you know for his daughter to join him at the restaurant but she wants to become a singer like in new york uh-huh. that's what she wants to do and mr holland you know he's like well this isn't my place but you should do what you love mm-hmm. you know just you know that's the teacher in him right yeah do what you love that's what you want to do um so that kind of sticks with her you know that uh that he's very understanding you know just just feeding more into into what she already uh thinks uh, uh-huh. about him and uh, so there's a performance, you know, that Iris and Cold go to. And, you know, this is uh, it, it was one of those parts where I'm all like, I, I this this movie isn't about Rowena, you know, but like I, I felt like the this performance, it, it, it was definitely about her. I'm like, maybe we yes. could have gone about it a different way because I thought it was starting to slow down some more here. And uh, I guess Iris was just like, oh, this. You know this uh the singer she's just lovely let me who's let me see who this is you know so she looks in the program and notices that her name is rowena morgan and kind of puts two and two together uh-huh so like and that explains pretty much why they gave rowena such a unique name <laughs> oh that could be it too yeah i guess you're right because that kind of it sticks out you know uh-huh. it's very unique yeah that's if it was point. like beth then <laughs> Or, or uh, like Mary, <laughs> you know, like oh boy, oh, coincidentally, like you know, yeah, Mary's a very common, you know, Jennifer's theme. I don't know, like like any other common name. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So, so after the concert or after the performance, this, yeah, I thought this was kind of telling too. Like, you know, hello, Mr. Holland. You know, he's all like, uh, he he tells tells iris and cole he's like oh um well the, the kids are doing something after the performance and i feel like i should be there you know like you know there's ways to handle it like um i mean he did right by saying you guys are more than welcome to come you know you guys can come too and she and maybe that's on her part where she's like mm, no it's okay you know i think we we should probably get going like maybe she should have been like yes i'm coming <laughs> and, and find out but um you know like i do you think this was just kind of a weak setup you know to show like this little hiccup you know in, in... um i i actually didn't think it was like a bad setup i thought it was pretty good okay. i'm just um, asking because i don't feel that way but i was just asking to, to kind of oh, see like okay. if you thought that because because we did kind of agree like the performance was a little like you know that was a great performance but that's maybe not what we wanted to see because yeah it takes away from mr holland at this point uh-huh but we get it you know um Again, dream student, you know, how can he not run away with this girl, right? So so in the cafe, I, I guess I, I forgot to mention that this that's where she asked him, right? Was in the cafe. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's like, hey, wait. No, no, she asked him somewhere else. Really? Uh- Maybe it was in class or, or like while they, oh, it was, it was, um, it was in class where she came to him and saw 
like a piece that he wrote. I don't know if she saw the title, Rowena's theme, but she saw a piece and asked him to play for her. So it was just them two in the classroom setting. And then, she, and then that's when she sprung it on him. Like that hey, sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go to New York. I'm gonna be at this bus stop in front of this cafe. I want you to come with me. You know, which was like, wow, okay. And that's when I was like, that's right. You know, because his wife mentioned that, and obviously I've seen the movie, so I was like, okay, foreshadow. You know, <laughs> hashtag. And um, yeah. So, so what'd you think about this? About her proposition for him to to join her? Well, at first I was like, that's old enough to be your daughter. Or right. like, or no, she's probably almost Cole's age. Um, and then yeah. I am glad that it that he didn't like kiss her. Like, I mean, he kissed her, but it was on the cheek. So, like, I very been, close to the lips, though. Very. Yeah, close. I I did notice that, but I preferred to think like positively because you know I'm liking this movie. I I don't want to think of him as a bad guy. He's got some things in his personality that are um, a bit of a struggle to handle for people like you know the fact that he's ignoring his son so you you want to like him though so um you don't want to think of him as an adult or two and with somebody underage <laughs> yeah no you're right um the what, what what okay i i don't know how to word this because i was gonna say i do like or i appreciate but i mean rowena is a senior so we're to assume like she's of age. They don't say she's. 18, I guess so. Yeah. But but you know them dropping that she is a senior. This is her last year in school. We're, I you know hoping we're supposed to assume that she she was of age, so it wouldn't be, you know like, a, you know, that bad. But yeah, also the true. actress, she was like in her early twenties. So, uh -huh. but yeah, I it was a, a very interesting thing, and you know I do have to commend Mr. Holland for not running off. You know, even though it yes. seemed that you know he really did in some way you know love the student you know like the dream student right uh -huh. so but yeah I, I didn't feel like there was anything wrong with his marriage that that would have just been a stupid choice that he did decide like to go off uh with, with her and uh I'm, I'm a little sad that it wasn't addressed again with the wife unless i'm remembering that wrong right that that it never became a thing you know because he did do oh, right like you mean that like she didn't like bring up the fact yeah that... like so i know you know so, uh, so you know like hey i know that the whole rowena thing but i i do i mean after he sees rowena off he does go to his wife you know she's in bed and he kisses her and is like you know hey i i, I just want to tell you i love you you know so maybe that's kind of like you know the you know by by way you know that she kind of gets it like okay there's nothing going on perhaps yeah possibly um it reminds me um the fact that he did that like that reminds me of stuff i've read like apparently when people are cheating on their partner they're more likely to be more like like loving and affectionate towards their partner because they feel guilty about it so like that to me that like said that he felt guilty about what he did and so i I still kind of think like you're right. It is interesting that she didn't bring up the fact that he had a student named Rowena and a piece named Rowena. So, yeah, no. Um, and, and to what you're saying, there's a little bit of truth to that. Uh, I, I want to say that, yeah, they do that out of guilt and there was a little guilt there. You know, he, I'm sure he felt guilty about writing the piece, you know, it was never brought up, but yeah, so he does that. But I, I think, you know, it's still, um, you know, out of like, 
not guilty in the bad way, I, I guess, is what I'm, I'm trying to get at. Like, you know, he, the, the, there were no ill intentions, I, I guess. You know, he wasn't going to uh-huh. cheat. You know, everything he did was kind of kind of wasn't quite handled the right way you know like maybe he should have been uh-huh. a little bit honest about rowena but yeah he, like he had no intentions on like cheating on his wife or anything uh-huh. like that. but so so that's what that scene is so yeah so i think there's a little bit of truth to, to what you're saying as well um so you want to get into cole in the 80s um, let's see what was that was he, when he sorry this, go this ahead. One, yeah no this is when he's a teenager you know uh there's that tension between the father and son um and you know obviously the 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 struggle of like not being able to communicate with cole you know sometimes cole is uh signing too fast you know and uh-huh. mr holland can't pick it up uh so we had that one scene where he called him an a-hole and he didn't know um but also there was uh, one scene that I, I really did like and um i'm pretty sure it's a- around this time too leading up towards the end of the 80s but it's it's when uh, cole was like uh, working on a car you know, uh-huh. and uh, Mr. Holland's like uh, watching him from outside the window, and you can see Cole like with his eyes closed, and he's got like um, his hand, uh, he's got like some kind of tool, you know, where he has it up to the engine, and he can feel like the engine revving, like you know, that's how he can tell if the engine is like uh, revving up uh-huh. correctly or something like that. So I thought that was kind of a nice touch, you know, kind of one of those themes that uh, you know the, the the struggle to communicate with his son and you know listening and, uh-huh. and feel and stuff like that and at the same time that just shows that he's like a normal person like you know his father acts like he's like okay this is gonna sound so like like it's gonna make me sound so bad but you know when they're when you're around that one really old relative who like like they don't talk very much they're pretty much always like just they're they're just kind of there and since you don't hear them talk that much and since you see they have like they often have um, not not an iv but like the the oxygen like they have like yeah the the breathing apparatus or whatever yeah and yeah like you just like you kind of like like regard them like oh i don't know what i would talk about with them like oh they're they're very different from me and like i feel like that's kind of like how and I'm not saying that I feel that about any of my relatives. I love all of my relatives. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just like like that's what you see on sitcoms and stuff. Um, but yeah. I kind of feel like that's how Mr. Holland sees his son sometimes in the movie. And that scene was just showing him doing a thing that guys like to do. They like to work on cars. Yeah. So I really yeah. liked that. I, I agree with you. It was a great scene. That was a yeah, long and, way of saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, that leads to, like, Mr. Holland uh, going to back, back to the school where I guess they were teaching Cole how to, uh, you know, learn sign language. And he gets the idea of, like, you know, how can I, you know, bring, like, deaf kids, you know, to, like, a, a, uh, like a, like a musical performance and have them feel the music. Uh-huh. or you know and things like that and then that's how they come up with like the lights on the stage which uh-huh. uh i thought that was a really cool uh-huh. um cool thing there and yeah so they're projecting these lights and that's how these uh these deaf students are are able or just i don't even know if they're just students but you know they're well i guess they are students they're mostly young people and uh so so there's different colors of lights and you know each time like music changes you know the a certain color 
you know, it, uh, it, it beats along with the lights. And that's how they are supposed to be able to kind of hear the music uh -huh. in a sense, right? So, uh, so I thought that was a really nice touch. But this is probably the first uh no that this is the second time that i have one of those emotional uh moments is when um mr holland dedicates a john lennon song to cole uh-huh and performs it uh while doing sign language you know beautiful uh -huh. boy so i thought that was really beautiful <laughs> you know to, to yeah i i i agree with you it was so moving like you, you said it perfectly <laughs> okay all right, and and that pretty pretty much uh, ends the the eighties there. Now, uh, Iris, we we see like a glance at Iris, and you know she's kind of tearing up. I I myself am too because of just <laughs> the word, the lyrics of that song. You know, it's it, it is a beautiful song by John Lennon. But I, what did you think? Because Cole doesn't drop a tear. You see him like in his face that he looks, he appears to be emotional, but he like doesn't tear up. He doesn't like shed a tear. I noticed I was, that. I was waiting for that. Yeah, I wasn't sure like what to make of that. Like, I, I, I really like can't fathom why we didn't see like any kind of emotional reaction. Um, like, I, like you said, his face was full of emotion, but he doesn't really like. Like, I couldn't tell if it was good emotion or bad emotion. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't either. I like it was emotional, but was it was he getting was it was he like angry? You know, it was like, why did it take you this long to get me, Dad? You know, like, why am I just now waiting at fifteen, uh -huh. whatever he, he is? You know, um, but yeah, uh -huh. but you know, it, it ended up being a good thing. But I was just a little surprised, you know. Uh -huh. So that's something in the direction I feel, you know that. Why, why didn't you ask this actor to shed a tear? You know, I don't know. Uh, or at least like, like smile or something or like yeah. show that like, okay, I'm happy or like I'm moved. Um, yeah. Cause you can yeah. just see in um, Richard Dreyfuss's face that like, you know, he means every word of the song and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so now I get, I guess we get to the nineties where when we first get there, they're trying to show us how bad it looks. I mean, I don't know. It's 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 such a contrast in in decades where you know um, you they they show two uh, ma uh, male students holding hands, you know, walking. Then they show like these cars, you know, that have hydraulics, you know. And I'm just like, are they trying to portray the '90s as like um, not good or something? Like, I mean, there's stuff to like about the '90s, but <laughs> I guess they were. I think what well, I guess what I'm getting at is it was a little much to 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 show the '90s. Like, this is how we've advanced or progressed i guess uh -huh. you know since the 90s because i thought it was a little kind of stereotypical of the 90s and it was almost offensive to me <laughs> what did you think or did you think nothing of that i yeah i didn't really think anything of it <laughs> okay that's it that's interesting that, yeah, that's all yeah it's okay yeah it's interesting that you had such a strong reaction to it though it was it was a little offensive just because you know um by then i was i was at that age, I could have been going to that school. Well, pretty close. Anyway, 95. Oh. I was still, I think, still in middle school. But anyway, because uh, watching that scene, I go, is this what the director think uh, think is like almost <laughs> a thing of the 90s? Like, uh, like gays and stuff like that. I don't know. I just thought it was a little much to, you know, that, that there were other ways, you know, like, I don't know. Uh-huh. Maybe maybe I'm an old curmudgeon. I, <laughs> you know, I'm just like that's I mean, there there are other ways to to show it, but I don't know. And you know, they had like hip hop music, you know. I mean, I love hip hop, but it was just kind of like, wow, that's I don't know. I don't know. Um 
okay, uh, Mr. Holland, you know, has a meeting with uh, Principal Walters now, and they are cutting drama, art, and music. Something that has been going on for decades, right? Yes, yes, something and terrible. I, I'm sure it's still going on. You know, uh-huh. th- this, this fight for music. But the 90s is probably the, the briefest that we spend in any decade because this is like at the tail end of the movie. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Mr. Holland, you know, they they, they have this meeting uh, and he's just saying how like, look, for 30 years, you've been trying to like get rid of me and you have finally found a way, you know. And Mr. Walters uh, as much just says like, look, you know, there, there was no other way to do it. And. And I, I kind of like this. As Mr. Holland was leaving the office, there's pictures of like previous principals, you know, and he points at Mrs. Jacobs and is like, she would have fought for this. And Mr. Walters is like, well, she would have lost. And he goes, well, she would have lost fighting for it, which, you know, you're not even doing. Uh-huh. So I thought this was really weird because not weird in a bad way, but um, I, I just felt like they're like, all right, well, this is the 90s. We're wrapping it up. You know, like uh-huh. we really didn't spend a whole lot of time at all. So we don't really get to see the fight, which is what I was expecting. I know he goes before a board and like, you know, some of the uh, some of the board members were actually former students because he even calls one by name, you know, and reference like, well, you know, when when I taught you, you know, you were blah, 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 blah. This is really important. But uh-huh. yeah, it just looks like it doesn't really uh, go anywhere with that. And then yeah. ultimately, you know, Mr. Holland decides to retire. Uh huh, and I I thought that he took it kind of personally, to be honest. He did, when, yeah. And like, it's hard not to take things personally, but the fact that he thought that it was, um, what was the principal's name? Uh, uh Mrs. Wal- Jacobs. Oh no, not that one. Oh, Walters. Um, Walters, yes, Walters. Um, like I thought, like the fact that Holland thought that Walters was like trying to cut arts like specifically to get at him like that was a little bit like okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) like all right it's not just you you that's hurting (laughs) so for 30 years uh mr holland you really think like like you and walters never couldn't have gotten along at any level you know so (laughs) yeah it did seem like it was there were kind of holding grudges against each other for 30 years which you Uh know we kind of see but you're right that's a long time like i i feel teachers really get along after like five years or something Uh uh-huh or even so, they at least learn to coexist. Yeah, and and because of this scene, the the final scene doesn't work with me when we see Mr. Walters. Like, yeah, my, so that doesn't work <laughs> because you're like, but they just had that one scene where they were kind of basically saying, yeah, I've been holding grudges, but this is just what has to happen. I I get you're the principal now, but you don't belong <laughs> in this scene because it doesn't work. It kind of takes us out a little bit. Yeah. So the, the the final scene I'm talking about, uh, there's one thing I do kind of uh, want to bring up real quick before we get into that was I kind of like the scene where like um, uh, Iris and Mr. Holland, uh, they're reading a letter from from Cole, you know, just uh-huh. kind of show that like, you know, he's older. He's like, well, uh, you know, no girlfriends yet. Well, at least nothing, um, uh, nothing serious. You know, and, and then he was talking about like, oh, and thanks for the card. No, dad, I'm not giving it back. It's a classic. Uh-huh. You know, so I, th- I yeah. thought that was a really sweet touch. And then we do see Cole show up at the school um, unannounced because I think both of them, uh, the both parents were very surprised. And then we see Cole. He's an older man. You know, he's got like a ponytail because, you know, as a teen, <laughs> kind of had long hair. So that's another thing. When they're aging young people, the older versions of themselves are really like on point. 
you know, like I, I mentioned that one hippie student, you know, uh, uh-huh. the older version of himself looks just like that young actor. And then, um, you know, we see Gertrude Lang uh, return as an old woman. And I feel the actress Alicia Witt was really channeling the actress that was playing the older version of Miss Lang. Uh-huh. You know, and I felt like like her uh, delivery, her enunciation, like the way she spoke, like really embodied uh, the the older actress. Uh-huh. So I thought I want to give credit to the young actress for, but I guess I don't know. I don't know who's acting like who, you know. But but I just <laughs> That's thought how that it should was, be. Uh, it, yeah, yeah. No, I guess you're right. You're a dumb me. Um, uh- <laughs> no, but yeah, I, th- I thought that was really cool to see. But yeah, I, I thought it was nice to see Cole, like, you know, his speech has gotten a little bit better, you know, as he's uh-huh. gotten older, you know, he can actually kind of speak and that that helps with uh, Mr. Holland understand his son more. But yeah, as as the, the Hollands are leaving the, um, the school, you know, because now he's uh, retiring. And I thought this was a little weird because like usually when you retire, you do have a like a send off, a going away of some sort. Uh-huh. But it looks like he was just about to leave the school and that was it. But except for <laughs> he hears uh, Louie Louie being played in the auditorium and he goes to find out that it is like everybody and their mom. That, that he has taught over the years Pretty and this much. was probably like the third time i cried you know and and oh yes my and, mother was crying i couldn't stop crying in the scene i could not stop like Aww. like the, the first two times you know i teared up glassy eyed whatever but i was just like i i felt like i was one of those students you know in this final scene so everybody is back to pay their respects and um governor lang you know she shows up and is the moderator of this uh, send off because she was basically the first student that he really, you know, took upon himself to really teach and, uh-huh. and kind of help her uh, decide what to do in life. But I, I thought that was interesting that she's governor, like um, maybe she could have been like mayor or something like that, because I feel like governors have some kind of pool academically, like maybe she could have helped in some way. Oh my you know, gosh, I didn't like, even think about that. <laughs> yeah, with like budget constraints and things like that. Well, like this this teacher, you know goes to the school that you went to you know uh, he personally helped you you know with learning the clarinet or playing better and stuff like that so i feel like a governor in that position (laughs) probably could have could have done a little something yeah that's that's actually so funny because i was like before you said that i didn't think about it and i was actually thinking like oh wow i think it's so great that they had her be a governor like this really high position so that you know you can show like the impact he's had on her like even though she didn't turn out to be a musician um yeah like she's but it still helped her to do something great with her life and but yeah when you bring that up that's i didn't even think about that (laughs) but maybe even as a mayor she could have done something which is a a, you know you know a smaller role obviously the governor is, is is the 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 chief uh the commander in chief of that state uh-huh. right so i'm just like wow that's you know that's a pretty high up job and i only have that you know type of knowledge because you know i i vote you know among in the community you know uh-huh. with, with bills and stuff like that that pass for schools so that's something that i kind of keep in mind when i'm also voting for our you know mayors and senators and governors and things like that like well how much are they helping the school you know so that's uh yeah that's me being an old man there but yeah i I just thought like governor was a little kind of a a bold role to to write her as Uh um because i'm like well this this is almost fixable (laughs) you know if if this teacher had that much of an impact on your life you can probably do something and you know somehow get more more funding i don't know for these uh classes yeah wow i that that's a really good point (laughs) 
So I just crapped on the movie. Like, no. No, no. <laughs> there, no. there goes that ending. <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, that's the end of it. Did you have any other thoughts about the um, uh, about the this final scene? Um, just I really like the fact that his American Symphony like had all these different instruments. Like you know, he included electric guitar and stuff. Yeah, like, I, th- I thought that was very appropriate. Like because it was like a piece that everybody could love. So the, yeah. the only way it would have been like you know more appropriate for everyone is if like somebody started like busting out a rap in the middle but that would have yeah not worked <laughs> maybe, maybe if it went into 2005 you know they could have added that maybe even a beatboxer or something uh, make it more offensive um now the uh mrs governor lang she does drop the line that uh they are all mr holland's opus yes you, um, and you wanted to kind of elaborate on what an opus actually is for those that are uh, not knowledgeable in the music terminology well the funny thing about the fact that she says it is that traditionally an opus is a title that a composer gives to his or her own piece um and it basically means masterpiece so you hear i can't think of an example for the life of me right now except um well like this prokofiev sonata that i'm playing right now he's labeled it opus 115 so he believes it's his 115th masterpiece some composers are less um grandeur in their work. Yeah, and also like they're less um proud or prideful with that term like and they only give it to a few pieces. So okay. like yeah, the, she's basically saying that the the class like I think everybody every student and also the piece like they're like together his his masterpiece so that's so that's what opus means and that's why that's an important word yeah you you know uh you just mentioning like you know all these different instruments and different classes i want to see the scene where they're like mr holland's gonna retire well we need to find out all the students that he has touched in these (laughs) in all these years to come together to play an opus like who even got them together to play the pieces? But I guess credit Don't to him. Don't think about that too hard. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. It just it, it'd be funny though. Um, yeah, so it's a really good movie. You want to get into ratings or any other last notes before we do that? Um, I, I guess just like my last note for it would be, um, I really think that this is the the movie that every single music teacher who works hard and inspires kids is like, this is the movie that they deserve. Um, because honestly, music teachers, they touch, they touch people, um, metaphorically. Um, <laughs> they, like, it, I, I just know so many people, they don't remember a single teacher from high school, but they remember their chorus teacher. They remember their orchestra teacher. They remember their band director. Um, and, like you know these teachers they just they're really teaching something important and they teach like not just music they teach the work ethic and they teach you know like like what it means to to try um because those who do go into music like man it's it's a difficult path um so yeah i just really think that they deserve so much recognition because like I've really met so many great music teachers and I'm not saying that like all teachers aren't important, but I'm just saying that um, I so frequently hear about like a wonderful like music director who's like affected somebody 
um, that, that, you know, I feel that they definitely deserve this movie and it's like a really good salute to them. Yeah, it's a, it's a great love letter to, you know, the uh, music uh-huh. teachers and directors and composers. So, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I feel that since you're still playing uh, music that you're, you're, I don't know, you might have better things to say about this movie uh, to, to close out here, but I'll, I'll go ahead and start first with, with the review. But um, yeah, you know, we kind of mentioned it that this isn't, you know, like really a family movie or a kid's movie. It's just a drama about music and it does involve students. Um, I, I do enjoy, you know, watching the different decades and seeing how uh, Mr. Holland grows as a man and as a family man, you know, as a husband, as a father, you know, first and foremost, like, uh-huh. you know, having the child, you know, with a disability, you know, and, and seeing him struggle with that, ultimately um, having that arc where, you know, it, it, having that relationship with his son is now at a better place. I think this is just a beautiful movie as it is like, um, you know, as the beautiful, as beautiful as the music that is uh, showcased in, in this movie. Uh, I'm really geeking out because, you know, I was a band student too. But uh, yeah, I, I think this movie, uh, it still holds up. It's it's really a timeless movie because it, uh, you know, it goes through so many different decades. Uh, being coming out like 95, you don't even like, you can't even tell, you know. Mm-hmm. Um Gosh, I don't know what else to say about this movie. I, I think the uh, the makeup work on Richard Dreyfuss was amazing. Uh-huh. You know, I believe that uh, he really uh, aged all these years. I can't find any fault except for like you know we we really uh, talked uh, in you know, at length. I feel about the whole Lewis Russ character, like um, that was nice, but you could comp- you can do without that subplot and i think this would still be a very very good movie but um i'm gonna give this like a oh gosh um (laughs) i'm gonna give this a four and a quarter i think that's pretty good because like on a 10 scale that's still like eight and a half which is by like really much much higher than i'm sure on imdb and stuff like that but Uh you know i think you know also having that you know little bit of background in music and being there myself and uh seeing mr holland as like you know like some of the teachers that i had um i'm gonna go high with that one i'm gonna go four and a quarter yeah i actually i i believe i gave it four stars in my review that i'll be posting um so yeah i agree with you i think we both have kind of like musical ties to it so that makes the movie really mean something for us um in in your when you do your reviews uh do you only do halves do you do like full stars and halves or do you only do like stars only i do i mean like like full like like i'm sorry like solid numbers yeah i know what you mean i do i do um fulls and halves so yeah So, so that would still be like pretty close there, like yeah, 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 like like uh, so 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 basically, my four and a quarter would be would pretty much be the s- same because that's saying like a week four, you know, so uh-huh, or something doesn't matter. Okay, so yeah, so that was really good. I had an amazing time yet again with you on this episode. I, um, I think like I really like reviewed this one and this was fun in a different way because you know this wasn't like a fun movie it's just a very enjoyable movie but i had fun reviewing it and uh um i don't know i i feel like this is definitely one of my my favorite recording sessions just because like 
uh, like the, the ties that we have to the music. Yeah. And like, I, I feel like I wasn't trying to be silly to kind of disguise my lack of knowledge of the movie <laughs> or anything like that. You know, hey, Portland, Oregon got a little love in this one, too. So that's that's also kind of cool. Yeah. Snaps for Portland. <laughs> yeah. So, um, again, tell the listeners like where they can find your work, where they can check out this uh, this review uh, and obviously where to find you on social media. Okay, so um, you can read my stuff at realredreviews.wordpress.com. And real is spelled R-E-E-L. The Twitter handle is realredreviews, spelled the same way. And I'm also a writer for Screen Relish. So that's a great site that you should check out as well. And also, um, you know, I'll have all of that on the show notes. So it's easy to... uh, access you know for for the listeners obviously um but uh yeah you know hydrate level four is part of the uh, following films podcast network so you can go to following followingfilms.com uh to check out you know all the latest episodes of this show and also the other show i do with uh michael denniston from war machine versus warhorse called original remake also you can find other great shows such as pop culture case studies uh, true Burman's film podcast, second class cinema and cinematic for the people and following film pod. Uh, but also check out, uh, we got five, the, uh, list show that I do with Devin at the, uh, core 10 parts, um, podcast, uh, network there. And, uh, Alicia, you have said that you wouldn't mind coming on as, you know, maybe monthly to do more reviews. And I'm sure, uh, the listeners will agree with me. We will be happy to have you. Oh, yeah. I hope so. I have so much fun here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Thank you again for uh, coming on. And until the next episode, I'm Peter, and this is Hydrate Level 4. Close your eyes. Have no fear. The monster's gone. He's on the run, and your daddy's here. Go to sleep.